Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. After a very busy rest day and evening before the rest day, we've got lots of news to catch you back up on. Of course, with Remco's abandonment and also the recap of this stage 10 of the Giro. And also loads of abandonments and sickness. It's not just Remco that's out of this race. This race is really attritional, not just on the road, but also in the evenings afterwards, it seems. But that news, Benji, it was, I think, about 10.30 at night, Sunday yep. night. You, you were at... No, we'd gone to dinner or something. We'd gone to dinner. We'd come back. We had a lovely dinner. Went to Messi's restaurant. Delightful stuff. <laughs> um, you know? Burrata, what else? Some tartar, beautiful. Come back. I'm a little bit snoozy. I see on my, I see an image of a quick step announcement, and I immediately think it's like one of those NBA accounts. I thought it was a fake account <laughs> because it's so weird at 10:30, but it was real. Ramco yep. Evenpool, quick step announced on Twitter after after he won the time trial, out of the race with COVID. It explains a lot. We were searching for answers on that TT pod. This explains a lot. Yeah, certainly explains a lot. And it kind of surprised me that it was reported so early after the race because I was like, oh, we're going to have these tests being done on the rest day maybe. And during the rest day, we'll have like a, a report of... 5 p.m. Got... on the rest day. It's yeah, like some... when you wait. Yeah, something like that, like in the previous years and so forth. So it was even more shocking that stuff like that happened the same evening then again, he did look really bad in the in the interview afterwards. If you actually look at the interview after the time trial, you're like, oh, this man looks either very tired or he's sick. Because he looks like me if I don't sleep for 72 hours in that he interview. Looks fucked up. Yeah. And hey, from that point onwards, loads of stuff was being discussed. And initial reports by Quickstep were saying that it was found out during a routine test, but Recently, we've heard from their doctor, their team doctor at the Giro, that it's not in a routine test, that the doctor was basically like, oh, he looks pretty bad. I'm going to test him beforehand because uh, we got we to gotta be sure of this, which also explains why it was so early, because your routine test probably doesn't happen directly after the time trial. Well, I mean, I've got a lot of thoughts. Of course, let's get the obvious out of the way. Remco, positive for COVID. He's also sick. Yeah. Has to abandon. Yeah. No discussion. Um. Now, of course, right. Oh, geez, I'm also crook myself. But, you know, I don't abandon. I keep podcasting. Um, <laughs> the Jesus. riders with low viral load, like Jungles and Micah in the tour last year. And, I mean, Ayuso, I think, was actually crook for a few stages in the Vuelta. Um, I don't know about that. But, you know, Jungles won a stage positive, but low viral load, asymptomatic. That's a different discussion. That doesn't apply to Remco. Uh, even though, getting to your point now, Benji, I, there's just a lot of confusing things about the announcement, which is sort of, this is nit, you know, nitpicking stuff, but don't you feel there's a lot of people always talking around Remco yeah. in his camp, and it's not even Remco himself, and often they're saying conflicting information, 
Like, why is the press release saying it's a routine test when it's not? If he's sick, and you're like, he looks pretty sick, he takes a test, he's positive, and you take him out of the race, isn't, doesn't just that, that quell some of the criticism from some of the, you know, skeptics who are like, oh, just race with COVID? It's like, no, no, he's sick. Why wouldn't they say that? Exactly. Like, if, if the communication from every side of the camp would be the same thing, then you would have less criticism towards an MCO. But hey, that, that's what it is, eh? Like, we, we, we see plenty of times when it comes to stuff about Remco, whether it's about this COVID thing or whether it was the, the contract stuff, for example, the favorite saying one thing, then Remco's dad saying another thing, then Remco's mom saying another thing in Belgian media, and Remco saying something, then the team doctor saying something, and it's so different from each other, but it all comes down to something simple here, eh? Remco is out of the race, he's out of the race with COVID, it sucks for the race, it sucks for Remco, it sucks for Quickstep, but I think most the uh, well, for us, it also sucks it next sucks. to that, but <laughs> it sucks it really a lot. Does. Because <laughs> it's regardless be of whether it's Remco, yeah. whether it's Remco or whether it's Roglic, whether it's Thomas, if any of these top riders fall out, it's, it's a big hitter that gets out of the race and it really, really, really will damage the rest of the race from this point onwards. But a lot of things will change from this point. Well, it's like, was the world's third week better or worse? Because Roglic crashed out. It was worse. It was unfold he crashed, but... It would have yeah. been better if he didn't crash out. And this is, you know, I was like, oh, we, I was G'd up for two weeks of insane battles between Ineos, Roglic, and Remco, and he's out. Now, he probably would have gone dropped on stage 13 if he was that sick anyway. So the next step is Benji. What next? And again, this is where the communication is very odd to me. Why is Klaas Lodovic, because obviously the, all the discussions about should you do the Tour de France now, Klaus Ludwig said it's impossible for him to do it. But, like, shouldn't they discuss it with him when he's better first and then reach a consensus? Like, why are you just ruling it out? Yeah, I think if you think about it, you've got to keep in mind when it comes to Emko now. He, he's got COVID now. We don't know how long that's going to take. We don't know when he's going to be recovered from that. And it sounds like someone else also has COVID in this, in, yeah, in this podcast. Jesus Christ. But hopefully not for too long. Um, but, hey, back to it. We don't know how long Remco is going to be affected by his current illness. We don't know how long he needs to recover afterwards. That depends from rider to rider based on what we've seen from riders in the past. That being said, the Tour de France is a month and a half away, roughly. Yeah. Will he be able to go where with his entire team? No, he can't because his entire team is riding the Giro without him right now. And they're probably not all going to abandon after him abandoning just to go to the Tour with him because there's plenty of riders already assigned to the Tour de France at quick step already for example Jakobs and Alaphilippe these riders are probably going to ride the tour or Melier depends on which printer they choose but the factor is also does he need the team for that and then I'm like no just send them to the tour and in the way where it's not necessarily pressurized because this is probably the only opportunity in his career where he can ride the tour without the ultimate pressure of having to try and win the tour first time around well, that's why the, what Lodovic is saying makes no sense. Because isn't the answer we don't know yet? We have to see exactly. how he recovers. Why don't you just give that answer? It's something like, no, I can't do the tour. It's impossible. It's like, it's not impossible, actually. It's uh, quite possible. He can do still one altitude camp if he recovers well from the COVID. Um, or he might just not want to do it. It's also Remco's yep. decision too. And I dare say the sponsors, if I was the sponsors, I'd be pretty keen for him to do the Tour de France rather than going for a, you know, defensive of the Vuelta. But 
Anyway, we'll see how that comes out in the wash. Big shame for the race. Hopefully Remco recovers quickly and we can see him back at full fighting fitness. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a shame. It was, I guess, controversial in a way, his abandonment in some camps. But I think there's a Gazzetta della Sport article today, yeah, but which is pretty, pretty shameful. That. Yeah, well, if I'm, if I'm Remco and Quickstep, I'm not going back to the Giro next year. Fuck yep. that. After seeing that article. Exactly. Like it was Saroni and Moser complaining, but also Venue was kind of complaining that, that Quickstep hadn't decided reported it or yeah, ha had decided to take Remco out of the race without, without telling Venue the, like the, the big boss at, at RCS, the organizer of Giro. Like if Remco is sick, then you have no say in that Venue. That's obvious. Eh? So, <laughs> but obviously there's also the added factor that Venue paid to have Remco at this race, most likely in the first place. So, Fenny's probably a bit salty about that, but that's Fenny's problem, not Remco's problem, in my opinion. And I agree. If Remco takes his conclusions here, then I would also be like, fuck this, I'm not coming back to this race. First of all, the COVID restrictions in, in this race were pretty appalling after Romani in the first place. The way they had to get off the top of that mountain was pretty awful a few days ago. Campo Imperatore, well, Remco went in the helicopter, the and that clearly, that clearly did not help with trying to avoid COVID. But, uh, that being said, there's plenty of other things, aspects changing in this race, eh? Because not solely is Remco out, that also has its effect on how Quickstep will behave and how Ineos and Yumbo and UAE will behave, for example. Firstly, Quickstep. Obviously, now they're beheaded, eh? They don't have a leader, so they're going to be trying to go in breakaways. We already saw that in today's yeah. stage as well, that they tried to go in breakaways. And wouldn't shock me if we see a Cherny in a breakaway, a Ballerini, a Cataneo, a Vervake in the coming week. And... That's, that's a change for that team. But also, that means that other teams need to control the race, right? And Ineos... Thomas in pink. Exactly. I'll let you talk about it. Well, yeah, Thomas goes into pink. Like, technically, he Remco had to DNS first, so no one was supposed to wear pink, but Thomas wearing pink anyway by two seconds ahead of Roglic uh, before this stage. So Ineos with the... And then everyone starts talking Benji. Oh, look at Ineos. They got five riders in the top 15 on GC. What are they going to, you know, what are they going to do? I was like, okay. I mean, let's talk about that in the context of this sort of stage too. <laughs> but yeah, G, two seconds at a Roglic, I think. Uh, Teo, a couple of seconds, three seconds behind Roglic. So really tight there. Then Almeida on 22 seconds on fourth. So everyone moves up. Pozzavivo also out with COVID uh, before the stage. Madsvert Schmidt was sick. Bistrom got sick with COVID. Loads of riders. Kung abandoned to prepare for the tour. Uh, even though he could have gone on the break and won today. Loads of riders out. But uh, about Ineos for a second there, you mentioned Gegenhardt and, and Thomas, but they also have Sivakov, they also have the Plus, and they also have uh, Arensmann, all on three minutes and a bit. Where will that be valuable? I mean... Yeah, would you... Um... If you don't use it, then it's just a theoretical advantage. Like the De Plus, for example, he's staying really close on GC, De Plus. But if you don't use De Plus in a break before stage 13, he's just going to lose like three minutes if you use him as a domestique. So I don't really see the advantage of the Aronsman, Sivakov, De Plus close in GC theory unless they use it in some way this week. 
if they just use them as domestiques, it's a, just a nice thing to look at on paper, and then they're just going to lose time. Also, you know, in terms of putting Yumbo under pressure, Bahrain ain't going to let Sivakov just take three minutes. Why would they? Caruso and Haig want a top three, top four, top yep. five. So the real numbers I see is Gagan Hart and Thomas. How could yep. they use them? I mean, you also need to think, Benji, would, would Ineos be happy going into the final TT with this exact same time gap? Ooh, I would. I would too. Roglic chokes and Gagan Hart, and they've been quicker than Roglic on the flat in the TTs, and Gagan exactly. Hart's climbing well. Should climb well. Well, on paper, yes. On paper, I would be happy as Ineos going into that because you also have two riders that could beat Roglic in that time trial then. But nah, Thomas no, Thomas ain't beating him in that TT. Well, it might happen. You never know. Well, based uh, on Roglic, the first time I mean, trial... Roglic got beaten by Bargui on... Um, Champ, uh, no, Blanche, yeah. So anything's possible. But you said for a second there about Ineos, uh, will those three riders be valuable and so forth? I was thinking maybe they'll just try and put one in the break today. Like maybe they'll just try on like these transitioning stages, put one in the break and everyone's got jackets some, on. Yeah. Force, force Yumbo to do some extra effort on those stages. They'll never do it. We've been talking about it for years, man. Yeah. Like they, they just, I mean, Thomas said on the podcast, um, we will, we got to race differently now. I remember when mm -hmm. Brailsford said that we're going to race differently. Yeah. Someone can Photoshop this or meme this <laughs> image of me. I'm a skeleton. I did an impression of a skeleton waiting for Ineos to ride differently. Um, I mean, it just gets, it, it's also, do you expect Benji to Roglic, for Roglic to drop them in the third week on say Trey Chimi? At the moment, that's not clear. I think you don't expect Roglic to drop them on Trey Chimi. At 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 and Hard, I'm not sure about Thomas. Yes, Gagan Hard, I can't predict. Franz Montana, I'm not convinced that he will just drop Gagan Hart. Gagan Hart's really good on those climbs. So is, is Thomas. I need to see Kranz Montana to be able to see it because so far we've had Campo Imperatore without action. We've had one hill stage, so it's impossible to predict what Thomas and Gagan Hart will do on the longer climbs against Roglic. We might see that Gegenhardt is actually not that amazing when it comes to those big climbs against Roglic. We might yeah. see Thomas completely falling through the ice. So we're basing this on well, the first Roglic week that suck. didn't show it. Yeah, that's also a possibility, but I feel like I trust Roglic more at this point than I trust the other two on the bigger climbs. Anyway, Almeida is still winning this Giro. He's just like <laughs> 17 seconds behind Roglic and Gegenhardt hanging there. But yeah, it meant Ineos at least for today. Would they give the jersey... No, they can't give the jersey away, but how would they control? Would they try and be aggressive with those three guys close on GC? Because otherwise, why did you have them do the TT full gas uh, would be my question and keep themselves in GC this whole time. Anyway, we will... We've we got to discuss it during, in the context of this stage because that actually comes up because this stage, stage 10, doesn't look like too much. It looks like a copy-paste of stage 5, 197Ks, climbing in the first... <laughs> Uh, 100Ks, a lot of climbing too, like 2,500 meters just about of climbing in the first uh, half of the stage, including some steeper sections. Then a flat finish in Camoyore, in Via Reggio, where it was sunny. They were, there were talks. Uh, I know I'm past this, Benji. I'm too old for this now. When I saw on my phone the, um, them thinking about shortening the stage, I was like, yeah. I don't care. 
Like <laughs> the stage was starting and I was seeing tweets, the CPA are in discussions like the stage is starting, guys. And exactly. listen, I know if there's gusts at the top of the climb at 100 kph, that is dangerous. That is extreme. Rain and five degrees, four degrees isn't extreme, but wind gusts is extreme and landslides. So if those wind gusts were going to happen, they should change the route. Um, but they didn't. So <laughs> they continued the stage and it was good for us, uh, the fans, because I think it was a really exciting one. Uh, break formation though, Benji, we did see that discussion of Ineos. Ineos seemed keen, and Tom said on the pod last night on what's occurring, they wanted a small break so the sprinters' teams would control yeah. the stage for them. It was a, a smaller break that formed, but it had some strong riders, but it formed in like in bits and pieces because you got to keep in mind, like you said, this is kind of a copy-paste on stage five where we have uphill for the, for the first half of the stage, but not like a big mountain, like hill, then another hill, then another hill, and gradually the altitude rises towards the middle of the stage. And that shows with riders trying to get in the breakaway, but Quickstep was very active trying to get in the breakaway, as we predicted, because you'd expect to see that. A team that is beheaded is always trying to get more out of a race by just trying to win a stage here or there. But some other strong riders tried to get in there as well. Magnus Court Nielsen said before the stage that they might go for Ben Healy. Magnus Court was tipped by a lot of people as the potential winner of today's stage, though. And we saw him getting in the breakaway together with Derek G, De Marquis, Davide Baez, and eventually Quickstep Riders. But those Quickstep Riders eventually got dropped as well. So we ended up with four break riders. Court Nielsen, G, De Marquis, and Baez. And Baez is that guy that won on Campo Imperatore and is now in the KOM jersey. So um, he was probably going to want to try and get some KOM jersey points as well. But this was odd. First of all, Magnus Court Nielsen. I swear he was bridging to the breakaway and I was like, he's won the stage, this race is over. Then it looked like he was having a chasse patate yeah, and then he did come to the break. He got, I don't know where he got there exactly, but they worked pretty hard to keep him behind, which I think was the right thing to do from the other two riders. Vice, actually really impressive. He got across. Uh, Seb Berwick was, had diamonds in the legs on the climb today. It just wasn't long enough. He nearly got in the break, my boy, from Israel. Um, the interesting part of this break formation was Ineos are trying to block doing what yep. G said. I don't think it's necessarily the wrong thing to do. Break goes, Trek and Movistar and everyone pace all day for you, no problem, day off. I think not a bad idea. But they were really aggressive in defending it to the point where Larry Warbass tried to bridge and Verona was sitting on his wheel, not relaying. I was like, why are you not relaying, Carlos? Yes. Like, shouldn't you be trying to get in the break? Gagan Hart goes with them. And this is the rain jacket thing. No one knows Gagan. It's Gagan Hart um, initially. And he's suddenly in a counter move with Warbass and uh, Verona. Neither are pulling. Gagan Hart's just sitting on it, trying to neutralize it. Yeah. I would question the point of the Plus, Sivakov, and Co. If Gagan Hart's having to do it. But, uh, and then Hersman reacts from the bunch behind for Yumbo. And I'm like, well, that's not going to do too much because you can sit on but you're not a gc rider so you're not really bringing gagan hart back you should probably bring the group back and then it all just stops with when warbass is like oh, i'm going nowhere so verona's what he was doing quickly became clear because instead of going in the break himself movistar decided to chase all day for uh gaviria which it, it's a it's a big imposition to put on yourself and on your team. I would rather just 
get Verona in the break. If the break goes, he's got a chance. If it's a sprint, Gaviria's yeah. got a chance. Kind of like, like Jaco. Yeah, exactly. Kind of like the Marky Matthews vibe, the yeah. same way that we saw the Marky and, and Matthews in previous stage. And once again, in this breakaway, because the Marky's in the break while Matthews is behind. And those actions indeed happened, but I feel like the breakaway formation kind of stopped for a bit. And then we heard bad news after bad news once yeah. again. Like you said, plenty of riders out of the race before. Uh, before we started, which was Ron, Bistrom, Remco, Tarame, Scottson, Wurtschmidt, Kung and Rizabeg. But during the stage, people dropped out of as well. Alexander Vlasov was suddenly off the back. Great time trial on stage nine. Sick, out of the race, completely gone. Just felt who crashed earlier this Giro and got hit by a car before the Giro. Out of the race for DSM, I'm pretty sure at this point. Yeah. Patili out, probably with COVID, because I've been hearing rumors that half of Intermarché has COVID. So I guess Patili is one of those next uh, victims there. And then we get to the phase where we're reaching the top of the climb. And first of all, Movistar was indeed pacing. You're right. Fernando Gaviria, their boss, whatever, whatever. Everybody was getting cold, eh? Because Fernando Gaviria puts so on... So cold. Like, how cold was it at the top? It, it's like, you gotta it keep it less than zero. Yeah, because the feeling, because of the wind, is probably five degrees lower than it actually is, eh? Yeah, and rain. So it's not like five degrees and sunny is actually quite pleasant to ride in, in my opinion. Um, but maybe I'm a little bit, not maybe, I'm a little <laughs> bit fatter than most World Tour pros, so maybe it is nicer for me. But five degrees and sunny is very different to three degrees, 50 kph winds, rain. And all day, the whole day it's raining. And so that's why I think they, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that the, ooh, let's shorten this stage discussions started happening with all the sickness. I think the sickness, RCS like come to the table because they're like, actually, we don't want every rider to get sick and abandon the race, even if we do want them to honor the race. Yeah. Um, but yeah, everyone looks freezing. Like, and you don't know if guys are dropping or going back to the car to get a jacket. And Gavira didn't have gloves for a lot of the climb. Anyway, he goes back to get a jacket at some point before the top of the climb. Yeah. The break is nearly at five minutes. DSM are pacing, I think, for Meyerhofer, yeah. not Dainese. They're pacing pretty hard, though. Ineos start pacing to be in front, and they, like they did the other day, not the last 500 meters. They start pacing pretty early and hard. And Gaviria, on the way back from getting the jacket change with his team, crashes. So Movistar have done the whole hour and a half climb, brake control. He crashes. He couldn't feel his hands, I don't think, probably. Yeah. And they're done. So that, that sucks for them. It does suck for Gaviria. You know, he might have won the stage. I wouldn't have done it that way, but he still might have won the stage. He is fast. Straight finish, though. Um, and now this descent, Benji, it kicks off. It all kicks off on the descent. Yeah. It does, but kind of in two steps, because first of all, you see Ineos getting to the front for safety, is what I'm guessing, yeah. keeping the team at the front. But then Bahrain shoots past, and they do that off-camera, as far as I know. Milan, Caruso, Pasqualon are suddenly ahead with Sivakov. And the gap is not like three seconds. It starts growing to like 40 seconds, reportedly, which I'm not sure it was 40 seconds, but that's a massive move, right? Yeah. And Milan was dropped on the climb. He came back, went past the whole peloton, and then attacked. And Caruso is there too. So we've got two GC, GC riders going through puberty for the second time. Two GC riders 
both in the top 10. Caruso's podiumed the Giro in the last two years yeah. in a move on a wet descent. The problem is for them, it's 75Ks of flat to the finish. There is a 2.5K, 8% climb straight after the descent. And also, I thought Bahrain were going for Milan in the sprint, and he's pacing the descent. But also, Pasqualon's there, the lead-out man. So, I love the Cojones. I love the attack. It probably was going, never going anywhere. But, but, you've kept Sivakov in GC for over a week. Yeah. And listen, I don't know that he was called back. I know Milan had a problem or crashed. He might have been backed off the break. This kind of move by Milan, in which case ignore this, but Ineos got to look to Yumbo, right? If Sivakov's up, isn't, that, isn't this why he's up there on GC? I agree. I think so as well. Because like, if Sivakov's on three minutes, then... You start thinking, oh, where's Caruso? Was the danger there? He's closer, obviously. He's closer in GC. He's on a minute and a half. But if you're Ineos, you've got to have the confidence that your other leaders can still beat Caruso in the rest of this race. And it's not going to the finish anyway. Exactly. So you've got to try and put some pressure on Yumbo, try and get them to lose or some mistakes. Or, well, Yui is going to have some different troubles yeah. in about a minute or two in this descent. So I didn't expect them to do it after what happens afterwards. But... When it comes to Ineos, I would have expected Sivakov to stay up there unless he indeed just backed off or was backed off. Barry's descending was the reason or whether the team called him back. Uh, we don't know, eh? So no, we're kind of speculating know. here. But I think, I think he was caught up with the Milan issue, so it doesn't possibly. really apply. And it would have been interesting to see what had happened. That's moot, a moot point. Vine, unfortunately, crashes in the descent with Will Barter. I think he goes, they go pretty hard into a wall. Yeah. And that would have taken a long time, I believe, to get a bike change. Barter's bike was completely done. And so now Almeida's ahead. Vine is behind. He's already on three minutes in GC. Almeida's on... Oh, no, he's less than three minutes. He was three minutes on Remco. But Almeida's much closer on GC. We don't see him for a long time. Ineos, Sivakov comes back. Aronsman paces the little climb really, really hard. Like, really hard, actually. The group was very small at the end of the little climb and brings back Caruso, Milan, and Pascal on. All this shenanigans has brought the breakaway down to, like, 2 minutes 30 with 65Ks yeah. to go as a consequence of... Um, Bar to steal your phrase. As a consequence of Bahrain doing all this, Vine, though, has got the team behind him and they're losing loads of time. Um, Covia and Formula were pacing, but yep. unfortunately they got caught up in the sprint teams chasing later on and they yeah, would never come back. Weren't you surprised that the gap extended that much knowing that who was pacing at the front? Pascolano was pacing, yeah. Zabir, and one more domestic. Those Scaroni. are three, three riders were pacing. Three. And Yui can't pace that back with four riders and Vine pacing himself. And they, they lose was, minutes. Yeah, four minutes. They were losing minutes. That was shocking to me. Yeah, it was a little bit surprising. Um, but I guess those guys were kind of fried themselves and also Vine was probably banged up from the crash. But yeah, he finished 11 minutes down today, unfortunately. So he will hopefully join McNulty in stage hunting duties. I will not have him change for nah, Almeida. Nah, 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 no, 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 no. Almeida can pace himself. Super domestique. No. No. Uh, he, for combination. Stages. Think combination. <laughs> combination. Okay. Almeida can gift him the stage when he tows him to GC glory. That seems like a reasonable compromise. Um, 
Anyway, we now have a beautiful fight, actually. This was quite good. A beautiful fight for the breakaway, between the breakaway of Damaki G and Court. Vice was dropped on the descent. Slash was probably like, I don't want to die. I've got my KOM points. I'll continue. And two minutes 30. Ah, oh, two minutes 30 is not that much. 60Ks. We've got Bahrain, Trek, Astana. I'm missing one, I think. Chasing behind for their sprinters, Pedersen. Cavendish, Milan, DSM were pacing for maybe a little bit for somebody. But I knew Benji. First of all, Court always plays. The breaks he's in, they play with the Pelton a little bit. They just hold the gap stable. And one by one, the domestiques fall away. Okay, Scaroni paces really hard. He brings it from 230 to 140. But I'm thinking, yeah. okay, but then what? He, he's going to be done. Then what? Emmanuel Gabregs could be his pacing for Trek. He helps bring it to one minute with Scaroni and Moscon. Then what? Pasqualon's dropping back. He's done. Who's yeah. the, you're looking deeper into the group. I can't see more Bahrain jerseys apart from Caruso and Haig who might pull. Milan was suddenly in second position when yeah. the first rider didn't take over. And you got to keep in mind, you said it, the time was going down until maybe 42 seconds, 45 seconds with 10k to go. But from that point on, the time didn't go down anymore because of a combination of two things, I think. First of all, the second group lacked Thomas Teagues, but the first reason as well is that every time that Magnus Court Nielsen goes in the break, he gets people to realize in the breakaway that the last portion is the most important part. The last 10-ish kilometers, 15 kilometers to keep the gap on the peloton is what you need to have some energy left. And... I have to believe Magnus Court Nilsson and the rest of that group held something to keep that gap in the last 10 kilometers as well because it didn't go under 40 seconds for the rest of the race. It wasn't even close. And those guys are so strong. Like, gee, uh, track guy, Court, we know his Palmari speaks for itself. Demarque, he's been pretty good in breakaways throughout his whole career and looks good in this Giro. And yeah, I have a theory that... Or a question... Why don't Milan, Pedersen, and Cav pull and Ackerman? Why not? In a classic, Ac well, they, in a classic they would. Ackerman pacing, knowing that Vine is behind, might be the... Okay, skip him. <laughs> the other three. Why don't they help relay? I agree. I agree. I was also thinking that when Milan was like in second wheel, but when the gap is 40 seconds and one guy does it alone, then it wouldn't work. So it almost... has to be... The three favorite yeah. sprinters have to all contribute. They doubt they'd almost have to agree with each other to do so. But then Ackerman might be benefiting because he's not busy yeah. because Vine is behind. Or old so Dani or someone. There's always going to be something that stops that from happening, which in this case was once again the thing. So we had a breakaway crossing to the line, and I was curious what's going to happen because you got a situation where Magnus Scott Nielsen is the fastest by quite a bit if it comes down to a sprint, and Demarkey was in a move with. Um, who was it again? Simon Clark. Simon Clark earlier this week, who was a faster rider as well, and he decided to sit up, and eventually they lost 30 positions in the last yeah. 500 meters. So will he change his strategy? And Derek G, amazing revelation in this Giro, by the way. He hasn't really been in this situation yet in a Grand Tour stage, so what was he going to do? And we see one of the riders attack. It's Derek G that decides to attack with roughly... 1400 meters to go and that's when i saw the following and thought ah fuck i think this race is over 
when the marquee was the one that started closing down G, I, I, I was like, the marquee, come on. He has got no plan. one job. <laughs> he has no plan for the final because at this point, first of all, G pulled too much in the last 3Ks. They were safe. Like, once you saw Ineos and Yumbo on the front, it's done. In the three, three Ks to go, they are not chasing at all. It was fanned out. G needed to just stop pulling there and be yeah. like, Court, you pull. And then when Court rolls over and DeMarkey goes in front of him, if you want, listen, G, I thought his sprint was really impressive the other day. If you don't back your sprint, which I think he vermeshed himself from Roubaix here, he did a bit of a vermesh. But if you don't back your sprint, then you got to fully commit to attacking, do that at the right time after you've recovered a little bit. So I think he pulled a little bit too much. Court was really finessing these guys. Yeah. And then DeMarkey as well. When G attacks, really strong attack, by the way, it was 1,200 meters to go. Isn't that the best thing ever? Because now you have to have Court tow you back on, in theory. Yep. And then that's your one chance. To actually go because there's no climb anything else that's the only chance you have where courts close g g's tired you might get a gap with momentum from courts wheel instead he pulls full gas brings court closer to g court flicks him and gets to g's wheel g keeps pulling for a bit is going to lead out court demarkey comes back doesn't carry momentum but rolls to the front leads out g and then court just wins the sprint easily yeah so that's kind of like the expectation of the, the initial breakaway. We were expecting Court to win if it came down to a sprint, and then Marky had the opportunity to to kind of force Court into chasing down Derek Derek Gee, but it didn't really uh is it Gee or G? Because I swear I've been saying both G. this entire podcast. G, okay. Okay. It's Derek G, okay. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> I think he I deserves mean, I, the right pronunciation. <laughs> anyway, the Marky had the opportunity but fell to uh capit no capitalize Capitalized. on it. Yeah. capitalize on it and uh well there he probably was winning anyway he looked pretty fucked probably not but he he didn't get the most out of the opportunity yeah um g i really wanted g to win like hands up i, I wanted g to win so badly um he deserved it yeah i think he was probably the strongest in the break the whole day and the way he got in the break was really impressive young canadian 25 didn't happen, but I mean, he's his classics were not that great. He had the puncture in Roubaix, forty fifth in E three, and he kind of looks like a you know his TT, especially on Israel, his TT is going nowhere. Probably on another team, he'd be an elite time trial rider, but on Israel, it's not happening. So really, he's this is what he can do is be an elite breakaway rider in these sort of stages because they also don't have a premium sprinter i think he could obviously be a really really good third last man as a setup yeah. man for a lit for a sprinter but they also don't have that so this is the role he can fulfill in this team now his second second place in the giro i i wonder if he can do the tour um with ola uh Ugo Ull, sorry not <laughs> not not the not dan ola on trek um but really promising They've got him locked up till the end of 2025, um, which is, I mean, I want to try a snap. If I was another team, I'd try a snap with this guy. I think he's really good, like really, really good. Um, but yeah, 
the winner is Court, who completes the trilogy. He's he's won a stage now in all three Grand Tours ahead of Derek G. Demarkey got gapped in third. I mean, whilst we were critical of Jake of Demarkey, rather, I still think Jaco did the right thing today. They still get nearly a hundred UCI points, and also I think the Simon Clark stage would have been playing in his mind, yep. not wanting to get caught. Pedersen uh, wins the group stream behind. Jonathan Milan jumped literally at 550 meters. I have no idea <laughs> what he was doing. Like, he jumped, and I was like, oh, he's jumped a bit early, 250 to go, and then he kept going. And then you know how there's three finish cams? Yeah. And then it zooms out. You think, oh, they're about to cross the line now. No, 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 they pass it, zooms out again. No, no, they cross the camera threshold again. Oh, my God. <laughs> he's jumped as with <laughs> four thirty-five seconds left. And so yeah, Pedersen, Ackerman, Aldani beat him. He's seventh, Cavendish eighth, Maestri ninth, Fiorelli tenth. Um This is probably Cav's chance. Yeah. Unless he makes it to Rome. Um you know, Astana brought him back after the climb. Ma- should he abandon? What do we got tomorrow? Nah, uh, hope A tomorrow. Breakaway stage. Yeah, I'd give tomorrow a crack, and also fourteen. Then, then gone. By second rest day, he's got to go and prepare for the tour. I think so as well. I don't have many more conclusions about the stage. Once a lot happened, but I also feel like we're still utterly depressed by all the all the COVID riders that have been out of the race and. I just hope that it stops here because if we lose another GC favorite here or there, then it's going to get even worse. And we also haven't spoken about the fact that stage 13 has been diminished a bit because the first of the three climbs in that stage, the Col du Grand Saint-Bernard, lost like 600 altitude meters, the, all the altitude meters of that climb above uh, 2,000 meters, so all the high altitude. So that also has its effect on that stage. The Giro is getting toned down a bit. Every day, I feel like, and I yeah. don't want that to be the case. Isn't this the take time while you can? Because you never yeah. know what could happen to the stages coming up. Like, yeah. is it a guarantee that there's a mountainous time trial in the fi- in stage twenty? Nope. There's no guarantee that that happens. So, take time while you can, and just to remind you or refresh you on what the GC standings actually are in the top ten. Uh, Thomas still in pink. Roglic on two seconds in second. Gegenhardt in third on five seconds, Almeida on 22 seconds, Lechnerson's, Lechnerson, sorry, still hanging tough on 35 seconds. But confirmed by TV2 that he's going to UNOX now, even though it was pretty obvious already. Oh, really? Yeah. Good for him. Um, what are they going to do with him? Uh, things. He won't score points. Oh, he will score some points. Not not a lot, but he will score some points. Thank Dan getting promoted. Um Caruso in sixth on one twenty-eight, Kamner in seventh on one fifty-two, Sivakov on two fifteen, Dunbar, I'm not sure if he was mm, just going to the car today or not, but anyway, he hangs tough in ninth on two thirty-two. Aaronsman also on two thirty-two, and Deplus on two thirty-six. So Ineos have uh, four riders. Can I count? No, I can't. Five riders Five. in on less than three minutes. Yep. Haig is on two fifty eight. Perry Pancho two forty eight. Carthy on three twenty two. Carthy's just 
you're just warming up. You're just coming into the race. So um, don't worry about Carthy. Vine, unfortunately, <laughs> lost big time today. He is on 12.52. So as, I, as we said before, that is likely his GC bid. Over. Uh, tomorrow's stage, Benji. 220Ks. I, there is 220Ks. How many stages have been over 200Ks or close to it? So with many. the neutral zone. From the same, there's no transfer today. They'll be grateful for that. From Camiore to Tortona, heading up towards Milan and uh, the Lombardy region. It looks like a sprint stage, but based on what's been happening, based on this tired peloton, based on the weather, I think this is a break. I think this is nailed on break, Benji. Everyone is fucked. And who wants to chase all day for six hours to get flicked? like Movistar or Trek or Astana. I think this is break. Exactly, but the question I have is like, we see the first uh, 60 kilometers. Yeah, the first 60 kilometers is flat. And then the climb starts, which is that Paso del Braco 10.1k at 4.4%, which is no optimal amount of climb, but it's after 60 kilometers of flat. So the break would almost not have to form by then to have actual proper climbers in the breakaway. Unless it's proper climbers that do have an engine. So... For a stage like this, I was initially looking at GC to see the riders that are in between uh, 10 minutes behind and let's say 25 minutes behind. So a Derek G, for example, who was in the breakaway today is in that list. A Cataneo is someone I wouldn't be surprised to try and see in the breakaway because he has that combination of being able to go in the breakaway on the flat and having the climbing to do something afterwards. A Ben Healy, that's also a rider that I wouldn't be shocked seeing in the breakaway. Those type of riders, but... It's not necessarily the stage where I can predict which riders will be in there. Albanese, maybe? Yeah, he's a great one for this stage. I'd like to see him in a bunch sprint. I don't know if there's a little pickup at the end. But yeah, there's two long climbs. Now look, they don't look steep, but the first 5Ks of the first one is averages, I think, 6.5%. So it's not that easy either. And everyone's tired. Now, if it's rainy again... And I just think, how a Trek Benji with Pedersen feeling a bit meh. Like, he could win the stage, I accept that, but also, shouldn't he just try and get, I mean, maybe he's not good enough to get in the break at the moment. I don't know. Mollimer also, I think, was off the back. So yeah. you'd normally see Mollimer in the break and he'd try and Schoens. go. Schoens, I like this, yeah. I like Schoens for this. Um, I just think it's... So much to ask of your team to chase all day. I, unless you have help from multiple teams, but Alperson won't help. They got five riders and Groves is crook. So I think Oldani just gets in the breakaway or should get in the breakaway. Jaco, yeah. Bling, I don't think was, I think he got dropped, did he? Probably. Yeah, he's on 23 minutes today. So he either got dropped, had a crash, or some issue. Or he's sick like half the peloton. I mean, so I think DeMarkey might go again tomorrow, or Filippo Zana. McNulty even can go on the climb. I think it's break. Caught again, Healy. What do you think? I think it's nailed on break as well. Like, there's always the opportunity that something weird happens and it's not break, but I feel like the climbs are also hard enough for... I don't know, actually. The profile looks harder than it is. It's still only 4% these climbs, eh? Are we it overrating is. the climbs? No. 
I think the Peloton is so tired. I know it's 4.5%, but the last 2Ks of the last one is 6.6%. I think Vine should go on the break. Actually, I think that's a... He can drop everyone. He can drop guys in the break on that 2K, 6% of the last climb. Hopefully have someone else in the group, a Ulysses or whoever. I think he should really go hard for the break tomorrow to pick up the morale and McNulty and everybody really. Because, yeah, it's a flat finish, but you can still make moves on that Paso del Castagnola, uh, 50Ks, 45Ks from the finish. And there's other little pickups along the way too. So. But Who you got? if you're in Yals and you see this, these kind of stage and you know that a lot of riders will try to go in the breakaway, wouldn't you try to go in the breakaway with like a plus or something to force Yumbo into chasing a larger breakaway with a rider in it? I think the only problem is that Yumbo might not be able to, Ineos might not be able to get in the breakaway in the first place. Yeah, like will Bahrain stop them getting in because of Caruso GC or position? Or yeah, Yumbo will stop them. But then let's think about this as well. Lawrence de Plus takes four minutes. The break wins by four minutes. He goes into the Malia Rosa ahead of Thomas and Roglic and Teo by two minutes. Now what do you do if you're Ineos? Well, is that a situation where Yumbo basically forces Ineos into playing ultra-defensive? Well, it's like a McNulty pays Vasco... 2021 situation on stage six. Does Poggy wait for McNulty? He well, did. He, here they won't they won't wait on the puzzle, my man, but So what's the point? I think it would actually be a bad thing for any else. <laughs> yeah. It would basically put them in a defensive position until Yumbo Visma attacks them. It would mean it would basically take away De Plus as a domestique, sacrificing himself until he lost the time. Yeah. So that's why this numbers stuff, I think, is overplayed, except for Gagenhart and Thomas yeah. is important. The other three, unless they somehow got in like a 30-man break and yeah. he took 20 minutes? 12 minutes or something, yeah. then, yeah. And also, if Yumbo's team is terrible, there might not be a bluff to call. And yeah. then Bahrain and UAE pace anyway. So I agree, though, like... I mean, who else is getting the break? Vavaka, Cherny will get in the break. Quickstep will get in the break. Uh, I'm going to go with Derek G to win the stage. Ooh la la. Two days in a row in the breakaway. Yep. And he's going to win Come on, Derek. from the breakaway. Do it again. It's very possible. I don't know. On one end, I kind of feel like this might be the stage where Kovi decides that he's Superman and goes nah, in the breakaway. He lost five minutes to Scaroni today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> An entire train of it of UAE did. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. I'll go with Patrick uh, Conrad. Is he in this race? He is, and kind of looks like that stage he won in the tour at some point, but yeah. <laughs> I want to go for what's the dude that I named earlier? Cataneo. Oh, that's not a bad pick. I do like Quicks. Yeah, that's not a bad shout. I think with uh What's his name? Vlasov abandoning the race. Yeah. Uh, it, isn't that, like, it isn't that hard. Um, <laughs> with Vlasov abandoning, I think Bora got to go for the break too. So Conrad and Jungles. I know Leonard is on sevens, is in seventh, but they got to get 
Jungles or Conrad in the break. Anyway, that's all from us. The riders are very, very tired. It's an attritional Giro. We're maintaining our voices too. We're trying. Very badly. Yeah, it's an attritional we're both sick. Yeah, we're, <laughs> I mean, who, yeah, exactly. The stress of being around me, Benji. Um, anyway, we look forward to giving you the recap of Stage 11 tomorrow. Until then, ciao.